Today's teaching text is Psalm 43, verses 1 through 5. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version today. Hear the word of the Lord. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 43, 1 through 5. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Today we continue our Summer in the Psalms series. The chapter that we looked at, or we are looking at today, is Psalm 43. Normally I begin sermon preparation about two weeks out. And realizing that this past week is going to be getting away with our family for uh, what's become on a good year a tradition where we go up uh, northern New England and we have time at a cabin and, and do some fun things. We did that uh, this past week. So it was important that I got the sermon all buttoned up before vacation, uh, which I, I did. And I was feeling good about it. Got home, I thought, you know, I'll just review and pray and be ready for, for Sunday. And then this weekend happened. The horrific events in El Paso, in Dayton, Ohio, which followed the mass shooting in Gilroy, California the week before, gave me no choice but to change my sermon. The Associated Press informs us that there have now been 22. Let that sink in. 22 mass shootings so far this year. Can the word of God speak in such perilous times? I sure hope so. For if not, we are left to competing ideologies in a divided nation that exists in a hostile environment that seems to get more hostile with each passing day. Today's teaching is titled, Looking for Hope in Tragedy. As we read this passage of scripture today, David, who is uh, pretty much uniformly agreed that, that King David was the author of both Psalm 42 and 43, David has a dilemma that he had a cause and was seeking vindication. He's seeking deliverance from ungodly adversaries, people that are being deceitful, an unjust people. He's crying out to a God who doesn't seem to be listening. You are my God, David says, in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Time and time again, he has asked God to intervene. Yet the oppression of the enemy persists. Time and time again, godly people in our nation have cried out to God to stop the violence, the oppression. 
there are ungodly people that have called out in prayer for God to somehow stop the violence that we are experiencing. We've asked God to stop certain things, violence, oppression, but maybe, just maybe, we have been asking the wrong questions. David keeps asking why. We keep asking why. Why have you rejected us? Why do we go about mourning? This is a follow-up to Psalm 42 where David cites skeptics of his God saying, where is your God? Where is God when senseless violence is happening? Certainly that's a question for us today. People are asking that about El Paso, Gilroy, Dayton, and so many other senseless tragedies. Where is God when violence is happening? Where is God at the border when many immigrants are simply seeking safe refuge? Why is there still inequality and oppression for gender and race? It's a fair question, where is God? Like David, we can ask, God, have you rejected us? Of course, some will ask, how could a good God allow such tragedy to happen? That's another fair question. And before we can tell someone we live in a fallen world where darkness and evil exist because of a choice made in a garden thousands of years ago, we are uniformly tuned out. They don't want to hear that story. They just want it fixed. So what do we do? What can followers of Christ do when no one seems to want to listen to us? And it even seems that God is not hearing our prayers. In this text, it's very interesting to me that verse, how verse 2 just rolls into verse 3. Seemingly no lapse of time, but I suggest David may very well have dropped his pen after writing verses 1 and 2. I think he took a, could have very well taken a break at that point. He was in such utter despair. There's a shift in attitude and text that I find quite possible that hours, maybe even days, may have passed before he picked up his writing instrument to continue writing verse 3. The shift has to do with now he's asking for different things. He's not asking why God's rejected him. He's not asking, where are you, God? He has changed his, the tenor of his voice. He's changed his words. He's changed his prayer. And I think that perhaps this can inform us today as the people of God and how we can pray today in these times. If you're taking notes on the U version, this is about asking the right things from God. But David continues, he quits asking for vindication. He quits asking for God to defend his cause. He even, for, he even does not ask for God to deliver him. Instead of asking God to change other people or his circumstances, he asks for God to change him. I believe this is a word from the Lord to Christ's followers and the church of Jesus Christ for the times in which we live. I believe there's a shaking that's going on in the kingdom of God right now, a shaking from apathy to being almost comatose. 
to being oh, all of a sudden we're awake and this world is spinning out of control and there's this sense of panic like what's the church supposed to do the church is quite frankly has been sleeping I think for decades so what are we to do as the people of God is it too late to do anything is it has it spun so far out of control that we just have to watch it go by and pray that Jesus comes back soon David is shaken from his apathy. He's shaken from his questions to ask different questions. Listen to what David prays for himself in verse 3. Notice the dramatic change. Send your light and your truth. Let them, truth and light, lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. When we see descriptions like holy hill or holy mountain or temple of the Lord in the Old Testament, what it's talking about is the very presence of God. And so what, what David is praying is that for the Lord to send light to him because he's in a dark place. And he's asking for God to send to him truth because he's tired of dealing with deception and lies. He wants truth from God. But the purpose of receiving Light and truth is to lead him into God's very presence. There's a purpose for receiving light and truth. And so there's three points here, simply from verse 3, and then we'll wrap it up and, and make some application in prayer, communion, and worship. First of all, send out your light. There is no argument that regardless of one's belief system, America is in a dark place. As I mentioned, 22 shootings in this year alone. There's division, there's angry and insensitive rhetoric that is hurtful and offensive. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. David was in a dark place, so he prayed for God to send him light because only light can drive out darkness. So David appeals to the creator of light. That's a good being to go to. That's a good place to go to, a good person, if you will, a good God to go to. I'll just go to the one that created light because I need light in my life. At another time in David's life, he wrote this, and we see it in Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? The light for David's life consists of three kinds of light. It's a multi-splendored light, multi-faceted light. The first kind of light is the light for David's life consisting of spiritual light. His very salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He recognizes that to receive the light of God, that that will rescue him. That will save him. And he needs saved. But there's another light, another aspect rather of that light. And I call it emotional light. Whom shall I fear? 
When the light of God's love comes into a life, there's no more need to fear. There's no need to fear about a job situation, about a relationship situation, about life in general. For those that are anxious, those that are stressed out to the max for various reasons, and we live in a complex world with our lives are very complicated, and just when we feel like we got everything together, then whammy, there's something that's like, oh, wow, this is really upsetting me, this is stressing me out, what am I going to do? Whom shall I fear, David says, because he's been a recipient of the light of God. But not only spiritual light and emotional light, there's judicial light. It goes on, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. You need a good attorney, you need a good judge, you need someone to defend you when you can't defend yourself. Receiving the light of God's love, receiving the light of God is a judicial light, the defense of my life. So God's light is described in a multifaceted light that directs the multi-splendor of God's person. God is a rescuer. God is a giver of peace. He calms those that are fearful. And he is our defender. Sometimes we can read a verse like Psalm 27, 1, and it becomes so familiar, we just go on to verse 2 and 3 without camping out there for a while and understanding, wow, the light of God is it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And so we can pray like they prayed, Lord, send your light to me. Send your light because I need this light in this dark world. For individuals in darkness, spiritual light is one that saves. Emotional light casts out fear and judicial light brings about justice. And it's available. David has found that no other God can save, no other God can cast out fear, and no other God can bring justice. For a nation in darkness, the light of God is needed spiritually, emotionally, and judiciously. It is time we looked to God and started asking for the right things. I can tell you right now that the answer to our nation's problems does not lie in November of 2020 with an election. I don't see any evidence that no matter who's elected, that there is going to be some significant change in Washington that's going to fix darkness, oppression. You just name the list of things that some that I've mentioned. We need divine help. We need the light of God to shine not only on us, but through us as the people of God. I love 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. And when we pray for the Lord to send us light, maybe a good place for us to start is with humility and repentance instead of just rushing out and asking for God to send us light. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says this, if my people, that's us, who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. 
if we ever needed to put into practice the guidelines for healing for a nation, for forgiveness for our sin, it's today. And I believe on August 4th, 2019, that as we interact with this and respond to the Lord's word and the invitation to come to him humbly and to repent, to seek his face and to pray, something will happen in the heart of God that's going to change us and move us in a way that we can impact our city in a positive way. When Jesus came into the world, he self-identified as the light the world needed. In John 8, verse 12, we see this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Humility. Repentance. Welcoming the multifaceted light of Christ to save, comfort, and bring justice. I believe this is the first key to realize hope in these tragic times. But there's another key as well. David asked for God to send his truth. If you ask one political party to speak the truth on what is wrong with America, or ask another political party how to fix America, you're going to get a variety of answers. If you wonder about that, just, just watch the debates from last week, two nights. I don't know if anybody waded through all of that, but there's a lot of different viewpoints. There's some good ideas. There's a lot of variety. And I believe they're sincere. Perhaps they all believe their way is the true path forward. But could there be one truth that could lead a nation forward? Could there be one true path to lead an individual forward to a better future? History tells us that there is only one person who professed to be God, a savior king, who surrendered his life for his subjects, then rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. No other historical figure other than Jesus has done this. I suggest that the quest for spiritual truth begins with believing in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the center of a spiritual concentric circle that all things spiritual have their center in. In one of Jesus' teachings, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In a macro way, in this day of fake this and fake that, the world is crying out for truth, regardless of messaging we hear each day. Christ's followers are to be salt and light, but also ambassadors for truth. This is why the upcoming apologetics course, Defend, is so timely, and I encourage all of you to can fit that, those Wednesday nights in your schedule to do so. We need to be ambassadors for truth. When we get in conversations and have dialogue with people, we need to go in armed, which is a terrible thing to say today. I'm sorry, I should have used another choice of words. But we need to be prepared to be able to share and defend our faith 
We must pray for God to send out his truth so we can identify what is false and what is true and to let go of certain things and embrace other things. So we pray, Lord, send your truth. David understands that both light and truth are needed, not one or the other. Charles Spurgeon writes, even the light which angels enjoy in heaven would be insufficient to banish all fear and to fill them with satisfaction were it not for their confidence in the truth of God. The third point in this little verse is this, let them, light and truth, lead me and bring me into your presence. David realizes he needs God's light and truth to lead his life into God's presence. Once there, he will find comfort, exceeding joy, and gain a heart to use his gifts in service and worship. He'll also find direction instead of wandering around aimlessly in his life. Notice, however, he didn't seek God's presence, but light and truth to lead him into God's presence. There's a troubling trend in churches today to focus on what I believe is an unbalanced way of worship. To sing lots and lots of songs, to tarry for long periods of time, but all the while bypassing the very things that will lead them to God's actual presence, which is light and truth. We need the word of God. We need to understand what we believe. And that can help inform us as believers and actually evoke invoke the presence of the Lord. May we pray as David prayed. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. How we need God's presence in America today. How I need to be led of God's presence and led into God's presence every day of my life. I hope that we together as individual and as individuals can embrace seeking God, asking him for, to send us his truth, his light, and to lead us into his presence. And then we can offer this to others that are very troubled about what is happening in the world today. There is hope for our nation, there's hope for our lives, and it's centered in relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's ask better questions Let's, in conversations, lead others to ask maybe different questions. Instead of asking why, 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 we can say, Lord, send me your light. Send me your truth. Lead me. Guide me into your presence. That is the hope we have for our lives and for our nation. We pray together.